The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Today's episode of What Happened When Monday with Tony Schiavone is brought to you by BrandNewHouse.com. Of course, we've been telling you for the last few weeks about how you can get your very own brand new house with as little as just $500 down. And the great thing about a brand new house is not only is it new, it's custom to you. So you get to pick where it is and what it looks like from the color of the brick to the flooring, the countertops, the kitchen cabinets, the door handles, the paint, whatever. It's all your choice at brandnewhouse.com. You can also own your very own brand new house for roughly what you're paying in rent right now. And again, you don't need a down payment. You might not need a down payment at all, but many families can get a brand new house for only $500 down at brandnewhouse.com. The best part though, is everything is brand new. So there's no repairs and your new home comes with a warranty. And no matter your budget, you can own a brand new house at brandnewhouse.com. So what are you waiting for? Go to brandnewhouse.com right now. Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA. TV title, Cajun Omni, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tactics. Turner, Bonin, Mid-South Joint World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions. Tony answers what they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off. Center stage, Bischoff. Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Under Russo, Arquette, Champ, Vinny, Matt, Simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh. Lois rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs, a good-looking man. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When Monday on the MLW Radio Network and the Master of Ceremony, the Pisser Offer of Many, Tony Schiavone. What's going on, man? How are you? You must have been talking to my wife, Pisser Offer of Many. Yeah, I made that up. That might actually be a shirt over at LoisRules.com before you know it. Uh, I guess we should just go ahead and, and, uh, Address the elephant in the room. And of course, everybody wants to know if you've been on Twitter, you've seen it everywhere. Of course, I'm talking about the fact that we had a Tommy young t-shirt in the front row at SmackDown. How cool is that? That was absolutely tremendous. And the fact that a couple of things, number one, that someone would actually put on a shirt and wear it in the front row means a lot to us. Absolutely. No question. But number two, the fact that the idiots that the WWE missed it <laughs> is even, even makes it even better. I guess they, maybe they don't know that we exist, which is great. Well, they know we exist. I know for sure they do. And, and we want to shout out Brandon and bill for making that happen. Uh, I guess there are a couple of brothers or, um, these slap dicks are related somehow. And they listen to the show and they love Tommy Young and, Boy. uh, made, managed to get it on TV, which was pretty awesome. And of course I did the false finish there. The real talk this week, Tony, and I had people come out of the woodwork. Why is Tony quitting? And I, I sort of didn't know how to respond to that because 
we've been pretty clear since we first started the podcast that the goal here was to pay for the wedding. And of course the wedding is going down on March 24th. And uh, this is the last Shivani wedding that we have to pay for. And I sort of freestyled once that divorces were expensive too, but Lois is not divorcing your ass, right? Hell no, she's not divorcing me because, well, first of all, she cannot. Let me tell you why Lois cannot divorce me, Conrad. No one else would have her ass. Well, it's me or nobody. And that's bad. That, that's, that's well been established. That was well established back when her, her parents were alive. They knew that too. I don't know they knew that I was the only sucker in the world that would come up and marry her. So, uh, there's been no divorce. I don't know if that's a sad commentary on her, you, or all the above, but, um, you know, we've sort of, I guess not shared this. You've sort of played hokey pokey with the idea of the pod over this last year and change where, eh, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Eh, let's just scrap it. Eh, this sucks. And then you started to hit your rhythm and you said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to stop it after the wedding. I'm going to keep going. And then some slapdick decided to maybe cross the line, take it a little too far, start threatening some of your real jobs. And as we're doing this now, you're not at home you're not in your studio. You're in a hotel room in St. Louis because you have 19 jobs and all of them require travel. So fitting all of this in and the risk reward now that the wedding is paid for maybe isn't as great or as lopsided as it once was. Do I have that? fairly summed up? Well, I, I think that uh, I go back and I think about the reaction that we've had to our podcasts, which has been phenomenal, which has been more, million times more than I ever imagined. And I really appreciate that. Uh, the fact, though, that there was one guy out there who attempted to get me fired from jobs that I have busted my ass for and jobs that I am very, very good at uh, really took the wind out of my sails. Really, really did. I wonder in the world why there are people out there like that. Everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has their own things that they like and they dislike. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I like and dislike, but never in, I would never try to hurt anybody's job, anybody's career. Yeah. That took the wind out of my sails. And that, that kind of got me off Twitter. I'm on Twitter just a little bit now. But I realize that people like this person are out there in Twitter, and I don't need to be involved in that. Most of you guys who tweet and love the show, hats off to you. You're the good people on Twitter. But there are enough people out there like him that just got me all flustered. So I, I talked to your great friend, Mr. Vince Russo, this week. And, he, and in our conversation, the first thing he says is, hey, man, what's going on with Tony? He's such a nice guy. Why is he shutting the podcast down? And I sort of gave him the full story and he was really shocked and, and like, man, that's a shame. Tony's such a good guy, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, you know, the real thing that sucks about this is back in Tony's day, you know, Tony was on TV for decades, but there was no social media and people are always nice to you, to your face. And in real life, well, not always, most of the time, but on social media, people can really try to stir up real life shit that that's not just funny. Ha ha, but it affects people's livelihoods. And, but you know, it's, it's shame, but we had fun and uh, we're going out with a bang man, because here's what you got on your agenda today. Uh, we're going to cover spring break nitro from 1997, which is just phenomenal. And, uh, next week we're covering 
maybe the show I've looked forward to covering the most. It's Uncensored 96, the Doomsday Cage, the Triple Cage with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man versus the world. And then, of course, on March 26th, um, coincidentally, the date of the very last Nitro when Tony left us the first time, we're covering the Shivani wedding. And I'm really looking forward to this, Tony. I can't believe that you've agreed to do this. Does Lois know what we're planning to do here with this episode? Uh, no, and I think we need to clarify this before you really get my ass in trouble. Uh, the wedding is going to be on the 24th, and I had already announced that thanks to everyone who has bought a T-shirt and listened to this podcast. They, these All you people have, and Conrad, you're on top of the list, but everyone out there has enabled me to fund this wedding for my only daughter. So I thought it would be a great idea to uh, put our podcast or put my uh, father of the bride uh, speech during the reception on our WHW uh, Facebook page, which we'll do Facebook Live that night. Don't know when it's going to be. The reception starts about 5.30, so we're looking between 6 and 6.30. And if you miss it on uh, Facebook, you'll catch it on the show because – I'm going to be chronicling my trip to the Shivani wedding. I'm going to drive over from Huntsville, Alabama, over to the suburbs of Atlanta, and uh, I'll be interviewing some of the family members. Of course, you'll get more Lois on that episode than you ever imagined. She may or may not be three sheets to the wind in celebration. It's going to be a big day, and uh, we'll get to talk to some of the kids about growing up Shivani, and it'll be a different podcast, but we're going out with a bang. The archives are not going away. They're over at TomZinc.com on YouTube. So you can introduce your friends to the show forever and ever there. And, uh, in the future, whenever you want your Tony Schiavone fix, just go to TomZinc.com. LoisRules.com. The t-shirt store is not going away. People are going to enjoy these archives for years to come or so we hope. So maybe they'll want to relive some of the, the fun we had here on the show and pick up some shirts. So. We're going to go out with a bang. It's going to be a good time. But what we want you to do right now is go ahead and flip over to your WWE network, because we're going to ask you to fire up the network and go to nitro all the way back from March 10th, 1997. It's called nitro 78 on the WWE network. And, uh, this is when you guys did the show on location, which is just sort of hilarious in hindsight for spring break. I'm pretty fired up about this, but. When you talk about spring break, it's got to make you feel a little older, Tony, but you don't have to feel old. Thanks to our friends over at just for men and their new beard care product. Isn't that right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, Conrad. And, and first of all, I want to thank the people for just for men for, for being with us. Uh, and the reason I want to thank them, Conrad is the fact that I've used their products for a long, long time. And the fact that they would be a part of what happened when is just sensational. Because when you grow a beard, like I have done in my later life, and you have done in your younger life, you really have to take care of that. And the best way to take care of a beard is by the products that are provided to you by Just For Men. You get the enviable beard and healthy-feeling skin underneath by using the products for beard care for Just For Men. They are the number one beard expert. Soften up, smooth out, beard on with Just For Men. And they have beard oil, beard balm, beard wash, beard conditioner. How about that? Take care of your beard. And I use all those products. Plus, I do need to add on to this. Not only do I use those products, but I use just 
for men to color in this beard at times when I want to look sexy for Lois. Uh, but, 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 I'm serious here. Okay. okay. It's, the biggest, it's the biggest laugh in the history of what happened. All right, settle down. <laughs> See, you laugh because you don't, you, don't, you don't have to color your beard. Uh, you don't have to color your beard. The Oh, my God. I color it to be sexy for Lois. Man, check out Just for Men. Uh, we're going to lie to you about a lot of things today, but not how much we love just for men. Go ahead and visit jfmbestbeard.com and use our promo code. It's bestbeard25. You're going to get 25% off of your purchase, and maybe you should do it just so you look sexy for Lois. It's jfmbestbeard.com. That promo code again is bestbeard25 to get 25% off your purchase. Shout out to just for men for hanging in there with us till the end of what happened when. All right, let's go ahead and get our tag team partner in here as we're sort of in the home stretch for Monday Nitro, Nitro 78 in your WWE Network. It's March 10th, 1997. If you want to go ahead and give us a countdown, we'll take it from there. Three, two, one. Happy New Year! I play! So how about this? We got a little Rob Van Dam, Dennis Rodman action. Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan here promoting a new movie that Dennis Rodman's in. And it feels like another era for sure. When we're talking about Van Damme movies, does it not? Yeah, boy, does it ever. Uh, you know, I had, I had a problem with this, uh, and now we're taking a look at, and I'll tell you my problem with it later. We're taking a look at, at a pretty spectacular site. If you think about it, I mean, we got a helicopter. Yeah. These, bitch. these days you would just use a drone. And anybody right. could shoot this for 1200 bucks, but here we're using a helicopter and we're at club La Vila, which is arguably one of the largest clubs in Florida. I mean, tens of thousands of square feet and, uh, it's a bunch of drunk, rowdy college kids. It is spring break nitro and roll tide. Yes, sir. Roll tide. Pull back from that belly Pearson right there. Take a look at, at our crowd. And, uh, this was back when we did two hours of WCW Monday nitro. Me and Larry Zabisco doing hour one, and me and Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay doing hour number two. But I, I want to let everybody know that my chair was always higher than everybody else's, regardless of what what uh, what hour it was. Uh, and we start out with a limousine shot, uh, and uh, this is kind of uh, kind of surprising. I mean, we all ex- expected the black limousine to be uh, the NWO, but my gosh, a white limousine pulls up. And uh, this is, uh, and here comes the one and only Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. And uh, the <laughs> uh, earthquake in a, uh, in a kilt. Yikes. Uh, this was the go-home show, Conrad, uh, for Nitro, uh, for uh, the, the pay-per-view that we've already done. Yeah, we just did it last week. Uh, had we known that you guys wanted to sit here 97, 
then we might would have done this in different orders. I really didn't imagine that 97 would be the spring break people voted for based on what happened on the cards, but I guess people see 97 and they just vote for it. Sort of like somebody was asleep at the wheel and they decided, Hey, you know what we need fucking high voltage. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are nothing like the, the great song, uh, by ACDC, but, uh, we always thought there was talk that this, uh, uh, not, not, not chaos, not, not the kid that doesn't know how to spell chaos. Uh, but we always thought that rage, the kid in the ring would have been a good third Steiner brother. Really? Yeah. That, there was talk about that, uh, in booking meetings and, uh, in the front office that, you know, uh, look, Rick and Rob were, uh, or Scott and Rob were shooting brothers, but don't you think that rage had that Steiner look about him and we could have some sort of angle about the one black sheep Steiner brother. What and would, there was talk about that. What would we have renamed him? You know, we got school board and ham cube. What would, what would rage have been? Uh, I don't uh, lightning bolt. That's not funny. That's I was, not thinking, a like, I was no. thinking like Jiffy lube. <laughs> so, Hey, here we go. Uh, two of your favorite people are here. Mongo McMichael, one of the yeah. funniest humans that ever lived. And yeah. of course, Hey, good looking. Wow, man. How roll tied was Deborah McMichael in 1997. You see the glitter she has on her top right there, I, right, right above her top. You know, I was I actually looking at her I face. I'm sorry. I, I, I sprinkled that glitter. Did you her. really? Yeah. In the, in the makeup, in the makeup chair. You know, what's she funny said, what? is, um, is, is on the other show, Bruce always talks about sprinkling Hulk dust. There was Tony dust and it wasn't just dandruff. No, there's no, I'm. I, I, I don't have dandruff. I've always been able to keep my hair and scalp very clean. Thanks to uh, your friends but, over at just for uh, men, right? Yes. Thanks to our <laughs> friends for just for men. Uh, and, uh, the fact is, is that, uh, she used to said, she said, Tony, would you put some of this, uh, uh, sparkly stuff on me? I said, you mean glitter? <laughs> she said, yes. And I'd sprinkle it on her and she say, roll tide. Yeah. Roll and tide. I go, indeed. I go, yeah. You know, I'm thinking if I was going to start a match in front of this rowdy crowd, I would definitely bring Deborah McMichael out. I mean, that's what this group of guys probably wants. Right. But, but I don't know that the actual, like the two guys I want in there are chaos and, and Steve McMichael. Like when right. I think of a nitro opener, I'm thinking like Ray Mysterio and Hooventude, not Mongo and chaos. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, but Let's face it, Mongo and Jeff Jarrett were part of the quote-unquote horsemen at that time, and the horsemen were a pretty big deal. So the thought was to bring the horsemen in, to, right. bring, uh, to bring the girl in, to bring Deborah in, and the fans would like it. Uh, you, you will notice that we uh, forgot to uh, take any shots of Deborah after the first shot. I feel like uh, if you were in the truck, we would see very little wrestling, and we would just see boobies. Well, no, no, I would have been a professional battle, but you would have seen a lot more of her. Um, you know, I have grown to appreciate Jeff Jarrett just since I've had the privilege of meeting him in the last few years. And I found him to be a very charming and, and witty, and he's a knowledgeable guy. And, and I have a great conversation with him every time we talk. However, look at what a fucking douchebag he looks like right here. Like this is. <laughs> You, you're, you look like a fucking idiot and it's embarrassing and I hate everything about it, but I realize now 
that's kind of the idea. Like he wants you to hate him. He wants to be annoying. And, and he is like, I fucking could not stand him in 1997. Well, what, why? Because of what he was wearing in the ring. Is that the reason I didn't like the way he carried himself, the, the air he had about himself. It was a very pompous. Uh, I just, I, I, I hate him and I want to see him lose every match he's in. And then he wears this. I don't even know. I mean, it looks like a, a Chippendale dancer. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's not for me. And like if, if Deborah was wearing that roll tide, but when Jeff Jarrett is, you're an asshole. Well, you, well, you know, he, he did, he actually did, uh, what he needed to do. He got, got kids yeah. like you. Made me how, how old yeah. were you again in 97? Uh, I was 15 here. Okay. Well, he got you 15 year olders all pissed off. Yeah. And, and that's what he wanted. And, and that's what I mean. Like I couldn't see that at the time I thought I was hip to it and smart to it, but no, he made me hate him. So roll title on that. What you guys were not hating though, is doing a big rating. Well, at least compared to raw, you did a 3.51 here compared to raw that only did a 2.34. And this nitro was originally supposed to be in Birmingham, but then it got moved to Panama city because that's where MTV was holding its spring break party. And I guess you guys wanted to sort of cross pollinate with MTV some, right? Well, we also wanted to, to kind of be hip, right? Uh, and this would begin, uh, our spring breaking that, you know, we did spring breaks in Panama city. We did one, uh, at South Padre Island in Texas, which was my favorite one to do, but this had a good look, but it was very expensive to do. Uh, the, the you know, you, you mentioned it now we could uh, put a drone out there and get the shot. Uh, but I bet you, uh, the, uh, I bet you the helicopter didn't cost $1,200 to get those extra shots. It was very expensive to do, to be able to set that ring up, uh, in the pool, uh, and build it into the pool area. It was just very, very expensive. Uh, and I'm sure the, uh, people at the, uh, club La Vila did a hell of a business that night. Well, oh, reverse neck breaker from the big guy. Yes, sir. Again, Matt Coon's favorite wrestler. And that of course is Steve McMichael. He's going to put him with the tombstone pile driver. Going to notice during the course of this match, fans, uh, that a lot of the wrestlers, most of the wrestlers, turned their back to the camera because there were no fans on the other side. Uh, and there's the tombstone pile driver in the one, two, three. And the horsemen win the first one over Rage and Chaos. And here comes Deborah in with that Halliburton briefcase. Did you have a Halliburton? Once upon a time, a Halliburton was a big deal in the business. A lot of the horsemen, yeah. a lot of the old school guys had it. Did you have one? Yes, I did. Back in, as a matter of fact, I still may have my first Halliburton up in the attic back from the old Crockett days of 83. Well, what's the hold up? When are you going to get in the fucking attic and get me my goddamn belt? <laughs> All my fucking Here's the replay once again, reverse neck breaker and a tombstone pile driver. And there's the cover. And the winners are the horsemen, Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett. Hey, don't you went, went, went me motherfucker. All right. I have to get this goddamn wedding paid for. I want my six man belt. You motherfucker. You get, that right. you get me my belt. All right. Public enemy against Harlem meeting in our main event. Now let's go down to the old bald fuck himself. Me, <laughs> I like to say that, uh, yes, uh, I have seen a lot of beautiful women here. And at my age, I can still get it up. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. All right. Piper's going to come in with the guys. 
that were a quote unquote his family, the guys that were going to be on his team during the uncensored triple threat match, if that's what we called it. Uh, and then if you take a look at these guys, you're thinking, no, it's not going to work. You know, what's funny to me is people sort of confuse their timelines and who was where and why and all that. And we had lots of questions about, Hey, uh, what about Goldberg with long hair here? And I was like, dude, I don't know how to tell you this, but Goldberg was not in this. Like, unless that's him in the back and no, he was not. just eating real good. I'm yeah. kidding. I, I was talking about John Tenta. Um, right. John Tenta is a guy who I feel like sort of got a bad break in WCW. He was a big star in the WWF. They put him in a hot angle with Hulk Hogan and he was in a prime spot, a great storyline, had a really cool way to come in. And then a WCW, I mean, look at this shit. Yeah. Fat man in a kilt. That's all it was. Uh, this is a very, uh, I, I think if you follow WCW back then, this is a very quote unquote iconic interview. Uh, because it was an interview where Piper was directly ragging on the WWF back then. If you listen to it in the network, they even bleep out him saying WWF. And he's also talking smack about Howard Stern. Right. He's, he's talking smack basically about all the criticism that he gets. Wow. Suppose there were social media back in that day, right? Like we talked about, but he was ripping on Titan. He was ripping on, uh, the Titan people saying that, you know, they, the older people, the older stars were in WCW. We've heard that argument before and he was really into it. Uh, and, uh, it was, uh, uh, uh what it was here. Uh, God bless him. It was Piper, uh, going into business for himself kind of here. Well, yeah. I mean, he just yelled, Howard Stern's afraid to have me on his show. He's hung like a pit bull and right. Mean Gene quickly equips field mouse. Yeah. Wild field mouse. Right. Which I guess says a lot about, you know, what these guys know about hog meat. Right. Right. I've never seen a wild field mouse. He could be very, he could be hung. Uh, so, so I don't know, but. So he gets them and now he's, uh, talking about his, you know, he's talking about his hip and, uh, his hip replacement and the, whatever parts he has. And now he's starting into that WWF stuff. And I thought Gene had uh, quite a reaction here and like Zabisco and I were just like looking at each other, like, what the fuck is he, what, what's he doing here? Yeah. He's saying something like, um, you know, you're saying you have no one hip wrestlers on your pay-per-view. That's right. You don't have anyone hip on your pay-per-view. That's why everybody's watching ours. Right. So he is, uh, he's throwing, uh, he is throwing bombs in the Monday night war here. And of course, you know, we love it because, uh, because of it's a, it's a shoot interview, but it's also an interview by one of the greats, Roddy Piper. I mean, nobody could really ad lib like Roddy Piper could. And he is doing it here uh, uh, in full force. Uh, so it was uh, it was a good interview, but but again, what bothers me is that he's got his back right to us, doesn't he? I mean, well, Gene's trying to. It's probably hard to talk to an empty crowd, you know. I mean, he didn't work for TNA very long. He wasn't used to that. He's used to there being <laughs> people in the stands. Yeah, but listen, he was taught like we all were who had been working for Vince that you talk to the millions on the camera and the people behind you are just 
or just the gallery there oh. to applaud you on. By the way, I feel like I need to clarify. Um, I'm not taking a knock at TNA. I'm a fan. Yeah, you were. I'm saying yeah, on that one side, they don't put fans. So you, okay. you, you sort of get used to that. And that's what this setup is here. The horsemen are right back out. I don't know why Jeff Jarrett and Mongo need to come back out what they do. Let's talk about Arn Anderson here. He's tucking in his t-shirt and he's got a denim vest and glasses and nobody's going to say shit. Are they? Nope. Not at all. Not because Arn Anderson is really over. Take a look at this guy. <laughs> you know, as a shoot, you know, the story here Rick flair and Roddy Piper were very good friends. Uh, Roddy was. I don't know. Uh, uh, in uh, in Flair's wedding, his his second marriage with Beth, was Roddy his best man? I think maybe he was. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Flair's been married so many fucking times. Yeah. And so uh, they were very, very good friends. And so uh, Flair, anytime he had a chance to do anything with Roddy Piper, he was all into it. And you're going to see here in just a moment how into it Flair was. But nobody can cut a promo in a serious promo like double a Arn Anderson. Uh, and, uh, this is some good shit when he's talking to Piper about Piper, get rid of these knuckleheads and get the horsemen to be with you, which I think it was very, very odd that it, it looked like here on this Monday, it was going to be Ric Flair and Arn Anderson teaming with Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Yeah. It didn't end up that way. As we know, by now ended up being Jeff Jarrett. And Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael. And what's funny is Benoit's not even out here. Right. I, um, yeah. you know, we tried to track down the mystery of where was flair because he was advertised or certainly teased as being a part of uncensored 97. So I texted Rick and I asked and said that, uh, the observer said you were drinking with the ghost of Andre, the giant at Jack and Jill's in Atlanta. And, um, he had no idea. Right. Right. So it's a mystery yeah. 20, even 21 years later, even players like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, look, look uh, I, I know he had prior commitments and that's all I'm going to say about Ric Flair because of my friendship with him. Arn Anderson was in the midst of his neck really bothering him at this time. And he really had some problems and Arn Anderson couldn't go a hundred percent and was unable to, uh, go in this match. But that be that is the may, uh, take a look at what's going on here. And uh, look at Gene Okerlund's reactions, his facial reactions, and how he can sell this stuff. I, 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 you know, we, 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 when we talk about the great wrestling announcers of all time, we say Jim Ross, we say Gordon Soley, but can't you really think that there is nobody better than Gene Anderson at selling an angle? You mean Gene Okerlund, not Gene Oakland. What the fuck? Gene Okerlund is selling an angle. This, uh, this promo has got to be good stuff. Uh, you should probably watch this. Without us talking over it. Do you want to freestyle what, what Flair's saying? If you were doing a yeah. promo for him, Flick Flair said behind me is Deborah McMichael. She is live as she can be. And I'm going to tell you right now that if it wasn't for that motherfucker, I'd have a piece of her in my hand. <laughs> Both those big tits in my hand. Oh my God. And let me say, look at the, all the girls out of here. Remember that none of you can be first, but any one of you can be next. And just to make this even sillier than before, I am going to do a dance. Not only am I going to do a dance, I'm going to do the dumbest fucking dance that you've ever seen. You ready? Here we go. I'm just getting started. Woo! I'm just getting started. 
It's like someone stuck a board up my ass. I'm going to dance. Piper's going to dance. <laughs> Look at this motherfucker. What the fuck is Look. happening on TV right now? <laughs> yeah. Piper had to turn away from the camera so he wouldn't laugh. Then he couldn't get the jacket on. And Flair's just going nuts. But again, you go back to Flair's affection for Roddy Piper, his love for Roddy Piper. Uh, and that's what got Flair all excited and pumped up. And, of course, Gene Okerlund says, if the jacket fits, wear it. And Piper says, yes, I will team up with the Horseman, and the Horseman will be on my team at Uncensored 97. As we know, uh, the end of that Uncensored 97 became a raging clusterfuck. Is it true that once upon a time, Roddy Piper, uh, went to, um, Puerto Rico with Ric Flair and was paid with a spittoon of cocaine, a spittoon of cocaine. I was told that once, um, rather than being paid cash in Puerto Rico, he opted for a spittoon of cocaine. Wow. Never heard that story, but you know what they say where there's smoke, there's fire in wrestling. Everybody hugs. Everybody has a big laugh about what Flair just had to say. And now Flair and Pfeiffer are doing the dance together. So the main event is now down and uncensored and it's going to be Hogan's team, the NWO WCW's team. And now the team of the horsemen with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And still not enough shots of Deborah. Bend on down there, sweetie. There you go. This is a weird, this is a weird deal. I, I want to catch you up sort of behind the scenes uh, All right. because there's a lot of stuff going on here. Let's talk about Ray Mysterio Jr. It was in the, um, in the dirt sheets that he'd gone back to the doctor after resting his knee and they told him he needed major surgery, which would keep him out like four to six months. So he's wearing a knee brace and he's only 22 years old. And, um, it feels like, you know, the beginning of a career worth of knee injuries. When did you first remember the knees being an issue 97 or did it start before then? Cause he's only 22 at this time. No, it started before then. And the reason I knew that it started before then is that we would see Ray in the backstage area getting iced down. And having those knees being iced down. And I mean, and you would say, You doing okay? So, yeah, I'm doing fine. Well, you know, don't bullshit us. He may be doing fine, but if you're having those knees iced down as much as you are, you're on the beginning of uh, the, the trek downwards toward getting, towards getting those knees. So, I say that it, it started at the beginning with him, with us. And even maybe before that, back when he was wrestling, you know, uh, on a regular basis. Uh, in Mexico. How about Prince Iakea here coming out of nowhere, becoming the television champion. And, uh, we're in for a pretty good match here. I always loved the British style of wrestling. And I appreciated that they tried something new with Prince Iakea here. They're trying to make a star. what do you think about, uh, Prince Iakea's sort of all of a sudden, out of nowhere TV title win. Well, I, I thought it was, I thought the title win over. Steve Riggle was pretty sensational, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know if Prince Ikea was the right guy or not. not. Not, not a critique on him. I just, I mean, if you, I just don't know. And now we've got, uh, you know, you're right about 
the British guys. You know, those British guys are guys from England are legit tough guys, all of them. Uh, and uh, so now we're seeing uh, Prince IK get the win here and uh, be- become the or uh, retain the TV champion. Uh, Squire David Taylor. Uh, you had Fit Finley. And then, of course, let's interrupt this fucking match because here comes the NWO. Kind of a very odd sequence of events here. A stretch uh, I- Hummer that has been wrapped with nitro um, insignias. And out comes Hulk Hogan with the belt, the Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth, of course, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. There's Scott Hall. Kevin Nash can't be far behind. The gang's all here. And uh, this is sort of commonplace. 1997 is when limos started showing up all the time during the middle of the show, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Here, here's what here's what uh, here's what's odd. Uh, one of the NWO uh, there. Does uh, Mike Jones fuck up every shot that he's in or what? Who? All of a sudden, somebody's down. And uh, no one knows what happened. Scott Norton looks back and says, wait a minute, somebody's down. We didn't know who was down. We didn't know who it was. And we finally found out. We had to be told uh, in our ear because they couldn't get get a good shot of it because of all the big guys around and all the shadows that it was Michael Wall Street who had been attacked. So there was that intrigue of somebody attacking the NWO. And who was it? It was Bray Wyatt. (laughs) It was Bray Wyatt because he made him do his homework and (laughs) he told him to follow the buzzards, hit him with the sister Abigail (laughs) and fuck you, dad. I'm not doing geometry. How old was Bo Dallas at this time? Uh, man, he had 10, (laughs) maybe, maybe not even. I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the European uppercuts love them. European uppercuts. Look how Mike or how uh, Brian Hildebrand, Mark Curtis could react to all that stuff going on. One of the great, he is uh, uh, referees. Bo Dallas is six right here. Wow. How about that? Yeah, there's a good fuck you in the ass pin that time by Dave Taylor. <laughs> Did you just say a fuck you in the ass pin? Yeah. I mean, I had him pinned over. It, it sounds like a place in Colorado. Fuck you in the ass pin, Colorado. Prince Iakea gets the win here. Uh, not the smoothest finish ever. How many, uh, weeks, days, minutes into Prince Iakea's run. Did people in the back start to question? Oh, fuck. what we do? Uh, right. When he walked through the curtain after beating Regal. Yes. I mean, as a kid, I thought it was cool. You guys were trying to make somebody, but yeah, in hindsight, it it, it was, but was Prince Iakea the right guy? Here's why Conrad should have been Lash LaRue, right? Well, you got to be able to do a promo. No, no fault of his own. He just wasn't schooled in doing promos. Hey, what's your favorite chic promo? <laughs> Look at this what? fucking shit. Jim powers, man. This, yeah. this starts to feel like a WCW Saturday night. Does it not? Yeah, boy, does it ever. And, 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 and far be it for me to be this guy, but Teddy long looks like he got stung by a bee here. Well, you know, you could tell who's going to lose this match when Teddy walks out. I mean, he's not Teddy Long. He's he's not running off at the mouth. He's not being very controversial. Uh, and now, of course, you know, they are all in the in the shadow of one of the great performers of all time, Eddie Guerrero. Sets up a pretty good little angle here that, of course, you know, continued as we went on. And we've seen the match 
between Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. Hello, ladies. I think I even said that at that time. Uh, and, and that was uh, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko. Malenko came up in our broadcast position, uh, did the commentary with us here, and talked about how Eddie was jealous of Dean. And basically, uh, I don't think Eddie was had turned full-fledged heel right here, but he was on his way to it. Yeah, Eddie is, um, Eddie's one of the most underrated performers of all time, but I've always wanted to say this about Eddie. It's, it's, we're wrapping up the show. Who gives a fuck this version of Eddie where he's got the mullet and no sideburns and the mustache that he sports and he's got the bangs. It feels like he is like, um, he's controlling Gravitron at the fucking fair. You know what I mean? Like he's got like a jean jacket and he hasn't bathed in a few days. It's got an Ario Speedwagon t-shirt and he's got meth in his pocket and he's trying to take your tickets at the fair so you can get on Gravitron. That's what his haircut looks like. So when he starts wrestling like this, you're like, holy fuck, this guy, this guy's not a carny. He's not, he's not working at the fair. You know, you, you, uh, you, you rattled that off as if you had gone to a lot of county fairs in your day. No, I've just been to, you know, I've been to a fair. I'm from Alabama real tight. And everybody my age knows what the fuck Gravitron is, but this dude looks like he works at the fair and he's got a dirt bike and, and herpes. Yeah. (laughs) But the motherfucker can go. Can he? No, that's what I'm saying. Like he's not a dirt bag, but he looks like a dirt bag. Right. Just based. He's got, I shouldn't say, look, he has a dirt bag haircut, right? Right. A dirt bag mullet, eighties mullet type dirt bag haircut. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kind of guy that if the kind of guy, if he walked in your trailer to date your mom, since your mom and dad had separated, you wouldn't want to see him. Like if this right? guy like rang the doorbell, not Eddie right. Guerrero, you know, later, but this 1997, uh, Eddie Guerrero, if he shows up at my front door to date my daughter, like tomorrow, yeah. I'm just going to open the door, see him and say, nope. And slam the door. Right. Exactly. Uh, Jim powers, uh, Look pretty jacked here too, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he does indeed. Um, yeah. he's on another level. Yeah, he really is, man. So, so let's, let's ask this. What's the steroid policy at the company at this time? <laughs> well, apparently there's none. It doesn't look like there is. And apparently as you go on and even through, uh, the ham cube era, there was none, uh, as we, as we, as the ship sank as, as well, not that I'm accusing anybody of anything, but. Hey, it comes out around this time too, that, uh, Jacques Rougeau is going to take on Hulk Hogan in Montreal on April 11th. And we often talk about on Bruce's show that Montreal and specifically Quebec is just, it's a different animal. And on that show, he actually beat Hulk Hogan. What do you remember about that? I remember it being as we see a one, two, three here. I remember it being a, a non-issue. Because as you said, Montreal's a different animal. It's it's almost as if, am I wrong here? Montreal's a different world. That what happens in Montreal doesn't happen anywhere else. Or no one knows about it. So it was kind of a non-issue of him beating Hulk Hogan. At least, at least that's what we thought of it at that time. Wrestling is um, super hot here. And the business is just picking up more and more steam. 
but when you see mean gene, you can't help, but think about the glory days of the eighties. So to see him here with Eddie Guerrero almost feels a little weird. What do you think that mean Gene's saying to Eddie right here? Uh, well, he's asking Eddie if he knows any good uh, taco places, uh, in Panama city. And Eddie said, Oh, you got me, you, you've mistaken me for someone Hispanic. I'm the guy at the fair, uh, who is from uh, Dothan, Alabama, who is running and taking tickets for Gravitron. That's <laughs> all, all I got, son of a bitch. Sorry. Now, wait a minute here, Eddie. You're not leaving until you tell me where you got that fucking sweet mullet haircut. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I got that sweet mullet haircut from Annette in the back. Yes, that's right. She used to do makeup and used to do our hair, but now she comes up and brings the formats out to Tony, to me, to you. And guess what? The formats are never fucking right. Never fucking right. There's not been a one format that has been right in WCW in the last two years. And Annette, let me say, come back, do my hair, do my makeup, leave the formats to people who work in TV. Thank you very much, Eddie Guerrero. And we're back with more on WCW Monday Nitro after this timeout. I can't wait till Eric Bischoff throws coffee on you. I mean, isn't it crazy what a crazy career Eddie Guerrero had, man? He just, you know, he's always got the stop and start pushes here. He goes to the WWF. They make him a fucking superstar. We all recognize him now as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. By the way, uh, I really do believe that. I'm not trying to kiss ass for Gravitron. I'm trying to make you laugh. Obviously, Eddie Guerrero's never even been to a fair and never had funnel cake. Now let's look at these superstars, baby. Who we got next? Yeah, Sergeant Craig Pittman. We're pulling out the big guns on Nitro today. Yes, sir. WCW Monday Nitro. Craig Pittman yes, absolutely knows he's going to lose this match. And the reason he knows he's going to lose this match is he comes to the ring as a heel when mo- most of the time he was a baby face. He's got a little mustache here, sporting here as well. As you can tell, the fans don't give a shit about him at all. I feel like we should but- uh, mention that Sergeant Craig Pittman was a big staple at the power plant. And the New York times actually ran an article around this same time about the power plant where there was like 10 guys who showed up at like six 30 in the morning, none of which made it, uh, because they just had this ridiculous training regimen. Any, um, any stories you can share with us about the power plant as we see DDP strut to the ring, the power plant, when it began Conrad, uh, and diamond Dallas page worked out the power plant too. You know, uh, the power plant, when it began, was an extension of the old time, uh, tryouts they had in pro wrestling. Did you ever hear any of those stories about the old time tryouts in pro wrestling? Yep. Like Vern Gagne and all that. Right. Uh, of course. Yeah, that's right. That was, uh, I guess they talked about that in Ric Flair's 30 for 30, uh, in the, uh, mid Atlantic area, the guy who tried out wrestlers was, Gene Anderson, not Gene Oakland, Gene Anderson right. of the Minnesota wrecking crew. And he used to take guys to the Charlotte Coliseum, the old Coliseum, uh, before they would have a show cause they would have the ring already set up early and he would have them running steps up and down and up and down and up and down. And then they bring in somebody, I don't know, Wahoo, somebody like that just to beat the fuck out of them. And they would beat them senseless and make them run. 
and treat them like dirt because they wanted to weed out the gimmick guys because there was always a jack out a jack off from Alabama, uh, probably from Huntsville, who said, "Hey, I can do this. I can be a pro wrestler." And they wanted to let him know that you know it's not all that you think it is, dude. It's serious shit. Uh, so they would beat the fuck out of him. So that was the old school way of doing it. No one ever made it that I know of ever made it through those tryouts. That's what the power plant became a weeding out process of guys. But as we moved forward and moved into a brand new office in WCW, the power plant became an integral part of what we were doing. It trained Bill Goldberg. It helped train diamond Dallas page because page was a, a manager was not a wrestler. And it was a way that the guys could learn the business it was run by Jody Hamilton, and of course, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker was one of his trainers, so to speak, and it was a way to get guys involved in it. Also, you know, when uh, when they started late, 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 as they started using Nitro Girls as wrestlers, uh, it was a way to train those girls as well. So, and it was a big place. It was a gigantic place with three rings, and I went in there a lot. Yeah, because it was part of our office and hung out in there a lot with Jody and, and watch guys perform and work. Well, I'm pretty excited, uh, about this year, 1997, um, wrestling's super hot and there's lots of rumor and innuendo and some of it gets sort of fired up by Eric Bischoff. Internet chats are a big deal at the time. And so they're scheduling these where you can sort of pick the brain of some of the talent, sort of like uh, Reddit does with AMA. Now they were doing this way back in the day with CompuServe and prodigy and AOL. And it's sort of hinted at that WCW might actually try to buy new Japan. Do you remember that ever being a discussion? Obviously it didn't happen, but do you remember it ever being discussed? That was discussed. Uh, and, and I think what happened was, uh, that, uh, it was one of those things where we probably thought we were going to, uh, be a little bit, uh, thin ourselves out too much, which we eventually ended up doing anyway. But it was also one of those things where Eric would come up with these, I, these ideas about, Hey, let's buy new Japan pro wrestling. And what would happen? The Turner big weeks would get involved in it and it would go nowhere. Either they would veto it. Or they would get involved in it and fuck it up. Same thing that happened with us being on NBC. The Turner Big Wigs fucked it up. I can't really point to names or anything. Now, I know Dr. Harvey Schiller at this time was in charge of Turner Sports. And I'm not going to point my finger at him fucking it up. but uh, And was thus in charge of, of us at this time. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things that was talked about that we thought we maybe we could do. But once it got above Eric, it lost steam. Uh, wrestling is a big deal at the time, especially in the Carolinas. It's hot again. And they had Ric Flair as an honorary coach of Wake Forest. And it got huge press coverage everywhere. And they promoted one of those internet chats for a radio station in Minneapolis. And it blew out the phone lines. More than 5,000 people were calling to participate. Um, wrestling so hot that even page six in New York is actually reporting on wrestling. When there's a rumor that Ted Turner might actually appear on nitro to fire Eric Bischoff, 
And some of that gets uh, stirred up when it's reported on the hotline and the hotline business is really big in 97 as well, except for the NWO hotline, which you guys tried briefly. And in its entire first month, it did roughly the same business as the WCW hotline does on a day. Uh, so the hotline was short lived there, which is probably bad news for who's about to be on the screen for the 19th time today, Mr. Mean Gene Okerlund. Do you want to do the honors here and tell us what Gene's about to be talking about as we see this well, diamond cutter replay? Uh, yeah, we just, uh, uh, we go back to the, uh, to the, uh, ring here and Mean Gene is talking to diamond Dallas page Dallas. Let me say a few things. There's been a lot of rumor and innuendo about your wife, Kimberly. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. There's been rumor, rumor and innuendo about your relationship with Eric Bischoff, and I'm not going to talk about that now. Gene, would you fucking stop with that shit? I don't care who fucks whom or who does what. I'm here to talk about wrestling, and I'm here to talk about the macho man Randy Savage. Yeah, it's true. Kimberly is a 10, and what she ever was doing with me, no one knows. I must be hung like a nature boy Ric Flair, one would think. But here's the fact is, what the fuck? It went dark. What the fuck? I'm doing an interview. We get two seconds into it, and it goes fucking dark. Is this the most WCW thing that has ever happened in my life? I have something I got to say. Who cut out the fucking bang lights, motherfucker? All right. We're going to have to take a break, and we'll come back after this timeout. Wasn't that, didn't that suck? Wasn't that WCW? We got a helicopter, but we don't have lights. Why don't we just fucking crash the helicopter on the fucking beach? It would be WCW's way of having a helicopter, wouldn't it? My goodness. Listen to you. Jesus Christ. Shit like that just... Oh, the lights do come back on eventually, right? But you just lose all your momentum. You lose all your momentum in the show because people watch that and they think, boy, these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're right. You just lose all your fucking momentum in the show. So what we do, we're trying to buy some time here, and we're going to do a promo for WCW Saturday night with Sid Vicious's arm. By the way, that was Sid's arm they used for that there. And uh, Jeff Jericho, Jeff Jarrett, Eddie Guerrero, Prince Iakea, and uh, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And this is back when WCW Saturday night really didn't mean as much as it used to, but we did have some angles on it. Once we got thunder, WCW Saturday night didn't mean shit. Lots of injuries going around this time. Brad Armstrong was out with a torn rotator cuff. It's the same uh, Ric Flair injury from the year before. Uh, Big Bubba had been out for six weeks. Here you go. Take over, Gene. All right. All right. Uh, well, I don't know what happened to the lights going out, but I want to apologize for that. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page. We were talking about, uh, were we talking about your wife? No. We we're talking about Bischoff? No. We were talking about the macho man, Randy Savage. Gene, what the fuck is going on here? I have a big time interview. I'm talking about a big time angle against the macho man, Randy Savage. And what fucking happens? WCW rears its fucking head. WCW becomes WCW once again. And here's what I got to tell you, Gene, as I put my arm around you. I predict that within the next four years, we are going to be out of business. And our last show is going to happen right here in Panama City. Do you understand it? That's a prediction that you can bank on from Diamond Dallas Page. Bang!
guy was a soothsayer. The guy knew what he was talking about, didn't he? He did. I mean, it's a shame he uh, didn't give us a heads up on that DDP yoga. We could have been angel investors, right? Saw him the other day, by the way. Uh, DDP yoga is doing quite well. You yeah. think I should take it? Yeah, you can do it on the road. I, and I think he would be a great sponsor for our last two episodes. You should hit him up. I don't like hitting up people put around money. And now here comes one of the great rappers of all time, uh, Galaxy. He's a rapper. Yeah. Uh, is there a guy named Galaxy that has a hip-hop song now out? No. You you listen to that shit. I don't. No. I'm sorry. <clears throat> you listen to that stuff. I don't. Uh, you, you, there's a Galaxy rap rapper? I think there is. Anyway, he's going to take on Ray Mysterio Jr. Absolutely. Turns out you're right. There is. His name's Galaxy the Rapper. He yep. has 252 followers. So shout out to Galaxy. I guess uh, <laughs> you've got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that um, Tony was a fan. Learn something new every well, day. What's Ray Mysterio saying here? Uh, first of all, he touched his nipples there. And he's talking about how much he loves the people and how much he will perform for people and how much he never wants to take off the mask because I am the one of the, just like you, I'm small, demure, but I'm a good guy. And he's also very handsome once he took his mask off. I was waiting. I was like, there's no way you get through this whole thing without talking about how handsome he is. Speaking of people who are real handsome, let's talk about Mark Madden. Uh, it was reported in the Pittsburgh post-gazette that, uh, he was having some troubles with the WWF attorneys, uh, based on what he had been reporting on the hotline. Of course, this goes back to the whole Kevin Nash, Scott Hall business and, uh, McDivitt is trying to hold his feet to the fire. Did you ever have conversations with Mark Madden about his experience working with the WWF attorneys? Mark wouldn't talk about it with me. Uh, we had heard some things about it and Mark who, is known to run off the mouth, as we know, uh, would, would not have anything to, to say about it when we would ask him or when I would ask him, even in confidence, he wouldn't. And it's a good thing. He didn't say anything in confidence because <laughs> fast forward here, 20 years later, 30 years later, I'm running my mouth about it. Oh, absolutely. You would have outed him. No problem. Yeah, no, he wouldn't say anything about it, but it was, it was something that he was involved with. You know, I was, I had been deposed by the WWE, uh, and Jerry McDivitt at one time too. Uh, and actually a couple of times I was in a deposition, uh, but, uh, one with Jerry McDivitt. So those were things that you, I, I don't, I'm sure it's changed today, Conrad, because of social media and because everybody knows everybody's business. But back then when you were deposed, you just kind of kept it quiet. Let me ask you about, um, blood. Uh, Bischoff did a prodigy chat with Bob Ryder and he's coming out pretty strong against blood. He says, unlike our competition, we have a firm policy. We've seen what happens to organizations that allow that kind of graphic violence to exist in their product. I think what happened to in your house is another example of the hypocrisy that runs so rampant in the WWF. Uh, and of course he's referencing the time that McMahon had written letters to people in the TV industry, deploring the use of blood that WCW was using. Uh, but of course, at this point, WCW has changed their blood policy and we get a, a hurricane Rana into a pen. My favorite move that Ray Mysterio does, especially in this era, it was really hard to beat that hurricane Rana into a pen. Was it not? Yeah, it was great. He was, he did so many great things. 
Uh, and, of course, he had to do a promo into the camera, which I have no time for. Why do you hate because, that so much? Besides because, the fact that Buff Bagwell does it. Well, because we're, it's, tell us you're going to do it. All right. We got, we got to think we're pitching. We got to talk. We got things. We're looking down at our, 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 uh, our format. Uh, if, if you want to say Ray's going to talk to the camera announcer, shut up, do it. But it never was coordinated. And we just ended up talking over each other. And I thought it was shitty television. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but I mean, this yeah. is a shitty podcast, but we still talk over each other, you know? Well, it's because we, we, we know each other and we, we love each other. Uh, speak for yourself, motherfucker. So this blood oh. in WCW, yeah. um, when do you remember that being a conversation? Because you grew up in an era where blood was a big deal. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that, that the blood conversation was long before Eric Bischoff, uh, once Turner brought, bought the company, uh, we all knew that blood was on the way out. Uh, can I stop what I'm saying here and think and let you know, I looked really young and pretty here. And I, my chair is, if you can tell is much higher than Heenan's cause he's looking up at me and much higher than Mike Tanay's as well. I got a better hairline than both. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I just, I'm just rather, I'm rather handsome here in a, in a gritty type way. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm enjoying uh, looking at myself right now. Mike today feels like he could sell me life insurance and Bobby, he well, feels like he would give me a great deal on a used car. Well, you know, uh, you know what Mike today did long before he got into wrestling gambling. Well, no, he's into that now. I mean, he was, and of course he's very, very oh, good. Yeah. He, uh, he did porn. No. Oh no, that's real. Throw it in your Google machine. Mike Tanay porn. You'll see it. I don't buy that at all. Well, I don't think anybody did. So he got into ringing. Wait, 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 he did. He, he Mike, oh, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on you. You throw out a lot of bullshit on this show. I'm calling bullshit on that before that in the LA area where he grew up. All right. He sold, uh, uh, HVAC equipment. Oh, really? So there's a little insight about Mike today. Porn. Where'd you get that bullshit? Well, throw it in your Google machine and you'll see ambient exotica. Um, it's probably someone that was also named Mike today. Well, it's got his picture. Okay. All right. I'm with yeah, I'm Mike today. Porn. I can't smell porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Here comes. Uh, John Cincio, who is this? Yeah, John Cincio. Yeah. An MTV VJ patting himself on the back. Like Barry Horowitz. I don't think he understands that. Uh, nobody that anybody likes does that. You got the, uh, the ring post wrapped up in the PlayStation sponsorship, which is kind of cool. They probably wanted a little MTV rub. What's this sound like right here, Tony? What are we hearing? Uh, uh John, welcome to WCW Monday Nitro. What I like to say, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, I would like to, for everyone uh, to, uh, help us celebrate WCW Monday Nitro and, uh, bring out, uh, Miss WCW Monday Nitro, a young lady who, uh, will spend most of her life in jail. And here she is, Pamela Rogers from Tennessee. 
Uh, uh, Pamela was pretty uh, was pretty live, but also was pretty drunk right here. Uh, we all knew that, and we all thought it was very funny that we would send out this girl who was uh, so nervous about coming out uh, to all these fans that she probably had a, a bottle of uh, bottle of wa- a bottle of vodka in her or two. Uh, you know the story about Pamela Rogers, don't you? Uh, I would love for you to share it with everyone. All right. Pamela Rogers uh, became a teacher in Tennessee and was convicted of having uh, sex with a 13-year-old student. And this is her. And this is her. Man. And as a matter of fact, uh, after uh, she got out on probation and was a registered sex offender, she apparently could not stop. And uh, I believe, if I'm right, is still in jail to this day. But couldn't stop teaching or fucking kids? Well, couldn't stop. Uh, yeah, fucking kids. Well, what's wrong with Sin- people? What? What? She's a very attractive person, but good she's, Lord. She's beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't you know, there's lots of opportunities for guys to say, oh, wish I was talking about blah, blah, blah. But um, the opposite of that's not cool. So <laughs> I, I just. Yeah, this, I this just, is what well, we're, we're not ripping on. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not ripping on her for what she did. Uh, I'm just telling you fact about what she did. Oh, I'll and we're not trying on. to make fun of it. No, I'm not She's a beautiful fun, lady. But I'll riff on it. I mean, you're a fucking horrible person. What are you doing? Yeah. Get your well, shit together. I had no idea. You just, you just smartened me up here. I knew that there was a stupid Miss Nitro spring break deal here, but I did not know that right. she was a sex offender. I mean, yeah, of, all, of, all, of all the sex offenders in wrestling, this is not one that I ever pegged. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she became uh, very, very famous and, uh, uh, actually became, uh, I, I think if I got this right. Uh, she was put in jail and there was something with a cell phone and her in jail. All right. And, and, and you guys may look this up, put in your Google machine that, uh, she, uh, her case came in the forefront of people in jail, having cell phones, at least, uh, smartened the world up that people in jail have cell phones. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but that's her, that's our miss. WCW Monday Nitro. Look at this fucking ragtag group of guys here, man. Roadblock. What's your favorite roadblock match? Jesus Christ. I'm, you know, they say Shivani doesn't remember anything. I don't remember anything about roadblock. I'm, being, I'm being serious. Like uh, who booked this shit fucking show, man. This is the worst shit ever. Well, you know what we're trying to do here and I, well, I know what we're trying to do here because it's uh, a couple of things we're trying to bring out all of our stars and because we have so many interviews scheduled and because our lights went out and we had to restart an interview, we're so behind here that all these matches are not going to make a fuck because they're all slow or they're all short and they all got to go fast. So I I don't know what the, uh, I don't know if you've got it in front of you right there, what the thumbs up or the thumbs down for this show was. But I, I don't think it was a good show at all. I don't think it's a good show at all either. And you know, I mean, this is sort of what we want on the show. We want bad shows and this is one of them, man. You got 
the Quebecers here and Greg Valentine and roadblock taking on school board, ham cube, uh, Lex Luger and the giant. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not even really sure who to call here. I mean, this could go either way. This is a main event anywhere in the world. Yeah. Right. But it all, it doesn't last long. And, and Greg Valentine, you know, you know what I thought when I saw Greg Valentine here, you know, back in the old mid Atlantic days, and I used to watch him and his uh, angles that he had with Wahoo McDaniel or in tag team wrestling, when he was a partner of Baron Von Raschke that, and we're talking now, this is 1997. I used to watch him in 77, uh, 20 years ago from this, that he hadn't changed at all, that he looked the same, that Valentine had not changed at all. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh, we didn't get much of a look at the, uh, Carl Willett or of course, Jacques Rougeau in this match here at all. And of course, storyline here is, uh, we have seen it. We showed it on our last podcast. I think, uh, the, the wreck, the car wreck, uh, that the NWO perpetrated on the Steiners. It hurt the equilibrium of Rick Steiner and hurt his ear. He had an ear injury, so he would sell the ear here. Uh, and, uh, here comes every bit of 400 pounds of road block missing that time. And he'll tag in Scotty. What do you think the WCW steroid policy was at this time? Wow. That's a hell of a move. Uh, I would say it's non-existent. Yeah. I mean, just judging, you know, the eye test. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd bring up, but Hey, the people were into it. Weren't they take a look at their reaction to the giant when he comes in. It's hell of a, this is a hell of a move here. The choke slam, this big guy, give a pat on the back to roadblock for helping himself up. How have we not he referenced leaped the up fact in the that, air, right? How have we not referenced the fact that the giant just chokeslammed Matt Coon? <laughs> this whole time we've been saying that Max Payne is Matt Coon and that's not true. It's fucking roadblock. Yeah. It is roadblock has that. Greasy hairdo that Matt Coon has. Wow. Matt Coon. Let's take a look at once again. Look at that. Wow. God, I got a big ass. One, two, three. Your winners. The WCW team, I might add, the team that's going to go on to uncensored 97 to represent WCW. And also, I need to say, if they win, NWO must return all the belts back to WCW, which would include Hulk Hogan's belt and the World Tag Team Championship. Look how much, how big, how big the Giant was compared to everybody else, man. Let's hear this promo here from me and Gene. All right, let's see. Who am I going to talk to first? Uh, let's see. Scotty, stay over there, and we'll talk about the hot bar later. You, uh, you're going to become a member of a school board. But let's talk to the dumbest one of all of them, and that's saying a lot, the total package Lex Luger. Lex, let's talk about the main event coming up at Uncensored where Team WCW is going to go up against Team NWO and the Four Horsemen. Now, I, I would like to say a few things, Luger, that I think you look spectacular here. Gene, most of the ladies feel that way as well. But here's something you may not know. Big muscles does not necessarily mean you got a big dick. No. As a matter of fact, it means just the opposite. If you take enough shit, your dick will 
pull up into your scrotum what? and no one will be able to see it. The only way people can see my, my dick is if someone licks their finger, sticks it up my ass. Oh my God. And shouts snake. Then it'll pop out. That's it. The giant on the other hand, just like his better sister has a roll of baloney. I'm sure. But I'm finished talking about penis size. Let's talk about the match. All right, Giant. Let's hear it. Are you a low-key big hog or do you have a roll of baloney? Gene, I'm not here to talk about penis size. What I can tell you is that I laid down the biggest turds ever. I'm out of shit. I'm absolutely out of shit. <laughs> Oh my uh, God. You really are. And that's why the show's ending. Uh, just... <laughs> here here uh, he is. He's finishing. Tell him school board and ham cubes. Yep. That's right. <laughs> the guy, the guy, he's I'm going to be a member of the school board and I'm going to be out and I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a member of your school board, Cherokee County, Georgia. I want to say this, Mean Gene. Anybody talks about the Steiners, anybody comes up with a T-shirt with the Steiners' name on it, we're going to get a piece of it, even if it's $10. That's all he had to say. I guess we should peel the, the curtain back here because I actually had an idea, like a farewell party, a going-away party, a na-na-na yep. party, and I said, hey, here's what we should do, Tony. Since we're already going to be doing the wedding reception in Atlanta on Saturday, the 24th, and our last episode is on Monday, the 26th, we should have like Tony's bachelor party. We'll call it Tony's bachelor party, and we'll do it at the Shoney's in Ackworth. Right. And we'll do it when they're not normally busy. So we would miss the church crowd and miss the supper crowd. We could just do it like right in the middle of the afternoon at like, three to four or three to five or whatever. So we wouldn't really be interfering with his regular course of business, but we could, you know, send some, uh, send some business his way that afternoon. And so I gave you the pitch and what'd you think of the idea? I thought it was great. Uh, we got, uh, we have Scott's number, as you know, and I said, let me handle it because I haven't talked to him in a long time. And if he's pissed off, I'll, I'll talk to him and, you know, talk to him and, Tell him not to be pissed off. We want to help him out, and maybe uh, we can uh, help each other out with a little bit of business. And I called and said, Scott, it's Tony Schiavone. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Uh, hope you're not mad. We've just been having a lot of fun at the podcast. Uh, got an idea for you. Uh, maybe uh, something we'd like to do at your location. Give me a call. And I hung up. And when he called back, what did he say? He did not call back. So there it is. So if you wanted to know why we're not having a bachelor party, blame ham cubes. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he's, uh, uh, it, it didn't say, hello, it's Scott Steiner. Please leave a message. No, here's you what know. it says when you call. you've reached the voicemail, the big booty daddy. I can't come to the phone right now. Cause I'm working on my freaks or my peaks. Leave a message at the number or I'll come fuck you up the ass with a sh- Sunrise! Sunrise! Huh. 
I got a 141 and two-thirds percent chance of not fucking returning your call. So, I'm sorry. Look, uh, for all of our friends on Twitter, leave Scotty alone. All right? Leave him alone. It's a gimmick. We're having fun. Um, Yeah, that's right. Besides, the show's going away. Nobody will talk about Shoney's and Ackworth ever again. Right. Uh, So, we've got Juventud Guerrera taking on Ultimo Dragon. And thank the Lord. We're an hour, over an hour into the show, and we finally got a good match. This is something that I know you don't like because neither one of them are from Rome, Georgia, and they both wear masks and they're Latin American and therefore you hate them. No, that's not true. You told uh, me just a, a few weeks ago that your idea for Hooventude was to make him ride a lawnmower to the ring and carry a blower whoa, and call whoa. himself the Mexico. <laughs> no, 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 I know. No, I know. I didn't say that. Where did you hear that? On the show. You, are, you said that. You, you, are, you are mixing me up with Bruce Pritchard. Oh, well, listen, you're probably a little dazed and confused since you've been looking up Mike tonight porns. God almighty. I, I liked the, I liked the ultimate Ultimo dragon a lot. He was a J crown champion. He had all the J crown belts. Did you know that? I did know that. What, what does the J crown stand for? Tony? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking over a I, tremendous match and this is the first time you really get the cool visual of the floating ring, which is maybe right. the coolest thing that, you know, the, as far as a set goes, it's the coolest set ever in yeah. American wrestling. You know, it's a fun idea. Whose idea who, who deserves the credit for thinking of a floating wrestling ring? David Crockett does David, David Crockett, kick him, kick him, kick him like a dog. Watch him. Tony, watch him, kick him like a dog. What do you think? Anytime- uh, Mark Curtis Any- weighs right here, about 85, 90 pounds. Wow. I don't know, man. I, you know, every time I'm, you and I are thinking on two different things. Every time Bobby Heenan would say, kick him, kick him, kick him like a dog. It was a reference to David Crockett. David made this shit work. I mean, he did. He made all this stuff work. And of course he had people working under, working under him that made it work as well. But, uh, this was cool. You know, we were, we were cool with this time. Hell, we had an MTV VJ with us. We had a Miss Monday Nitro with us. We were at spring break, uh, and we were having good numbers, and it was a great time to be in WCW. i tell you who was not having a great time. I just found it, uh, and that's our girl here, Pamela Rogers. Uh, she faced 15 counts of sexual battery by an authority figure and 13 counts of statutory rape on February 4th, 2005. And the charges stemmed from a three-month relationship with a 13-year-old boy. She was 27 years old at the time of the relationship. And following her arrest, she posted bail of $50,000. She pled not guilty, at least originally. And then later, she pled no contest to four charges of sexual battery by an authority figure on August 12th in 2005. And, of course, that's a plea deal. Uh, her sentence was 270 days, about nine months in the Warren County jail in Tennessee. And she was arrested again on April 24th of 2006, where she had sent text messages, including nude photos and sex videos of her pleasuring herself to the same boy, uh, while using her father's cell phone 
Uh, she was charged for communicating with the boy, the boy via blogs and a website and the judge stuck her in jail till the next court hearing. And then eventually she was sentenced to seven years in prison, 2006 for violating her probation by sending explicit videos to her former victim and maintaining that contact. Of course, um, she had to apologize to her family and the teen's family. And she said, I have humiliated myself. What I did was wrong. I'm willing to do anything to rehabilitate myself. And the judge denied her request and uh, for therapy instead of, um, you know, being sent to prison. And he says, you've done everything except show this court that you wanted to rehabilitate yourself. So he revoked her probation and ordered her to serve the rest of that seven year prison sentence in a Tennessee state prison. And, uh, she received two additional years of prison time for sending nude photos. So same boy again. Uh, and then in June of 2015, once she was out a separate case after she's out of prison again, uh, this is when the whole cell phones in prison thing happened and she's right. still in jail now. So, yeah, uh, man, it's, it's sort of the curse of WCW. Is it not? I mean, boy, my God, it really is absolutely the curse of WCW, uh, in the midst of all this hell of a match going on here. Take a look at that. An Ultimo Dragon could go, couldn't he? Man, I loved it. I love the Tiger Suplex. I love the finish. I love. Uh, I know you hate the mask, but I think they both look cool. I love their wrestling. This is the best match on the show to me. You know, Meltzer would say it was a little sloppy in parts, but I think it's the best match on the show by far. Uh, okay, a little sloppy in parts, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad Mr. Meltzer knows what's sloppy and what isn't. It, you know, I, I'm going to blow your mind here in a minute because we've got this. This racist gimmick that Sonny Ono is doing here. Wait, he takes a picture. We just, we just saw a selfie. Yeah. He was, did doing, you see that? He was doing that uh, in like 96. Uh, my God. He was a, he's an innovator. He is. He's on the cutting edge. I mean, we knew that when he invented ninja stars. Wow. How about, how, how about, about that? How smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer, watching wrestling, man. I love me some white <laughs> trash. La Vila. Have you ever, uh, have you ever, uh, picked up any ass at La Vila? Tony, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I was, I was a married man with five young children here at this time. I didn't stop any of the boys. Hey, so yeah. you got wildcat Willie back there in the back. What's your favorite wildcat Willie story? Yeah. Uh, wildcat Willie, uh, did not like to take bumps and the guys wanted to do things to him. And he was always very, uh, leery. I'm not going to say he was afraid of that, but he was leery of that. Rumor and so, innuendo he, is that you actually named your hog meat wildcat Willie. No, not at all. Uh-uh. The um, that's that's not rumored innuendo. Okay. But hey, uh, one of my uh, one of my good buddies uh, has become a good buddy, uh, Chris Jericho, who I reconnected with. All right, sing the uh, song. Sing the song. Okay, American whales, American whales, American whales. Dave Silva, American whales. Matt Coon, American whales, American whales. Fwee willie, American whales. Uh, okay, that's that's all I got. Did you know that if you play the American males theme song backwards, it says slam grandma. Does it really? Yeah. Wow. I thought maybe it says buff is dead. Buff is dead or something like that. You're out of the loop on this. I am. We're going to play it at the end of the show. Okay. So we got Scotty Riggs listener of the podcast and Mr. Podcast himself, Mr. Chris Jericho. This is before Jericho's really hit his stride, at least to me. 
I loved when he started to turn heel, but here he's still trying to be uh babyface Chris Jericho. Um it's weird though, because at this point, you know, you could never tell in somebody's career who's gonna be what. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that Chris Jericho will go on to be one of the all time greats, at least here in ninety seven. Well, look, and, and I know I'm, I'm I'm biased because he's a friend, but I thought he was was going to be a big star. Now that I think he would end up being the first ever uh, a champion, unified champion, or would uh, headline WrestleMania eighteen? No, but I thought he would be an established star, and it's old stuff that you can find in the archives. And I thought that because Jericho fought and worked on his gimmick. He, he put effort and thought into it. He just didn't show up saying, I'm Chris Jericho. What do you guys want me to do? He would say, uh, okay, uh, uh, why don't we try this? Or maybe we, you know, he, he went to the guys with ideas, right? That to me, that's, that's what diamond Dallas page did. That's why he became a big star. That's why the macho man, Randy Savage became a big star. They thought about their gimmick. They thought about their character and they had input in it. And a lot of times, you know, bookers, Vince McMahon or whatever would throw them in, throw them out. So yeah, it didn't surprise me. He became a big star. You know, rather than watch the rest of this match, how about I play American males backwards for you right now? Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Here we go. Slam the grandma, slam the grandma, slam the grandma, slam the grandma. Come on, Tony. Slam the grandma, slam, slam the grandma, 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 slam the grandma. Knock her teeth out, put him in a cup, put him on the side of her bed. That old bam. This is like Klondike Bill's theme song. Slam your grandma, slam your grandma, slam your grandma, slam your grandma. Man, I love it. So, um, we never really talked about this, but is <laughs> this is what we're doing for a living these days, Tony. Um, slam the grandma. <laughs> I'm sure that's something different. If you throw it in your Google machine, don't Google that just in case. Yes. Um, you know, you have this, this love of Tom Zink. It feels like, and maybe this is just me, but it feels like Scotty Riggs could be like Tom Zink's cousin. Well, yeah. Uh, in many ways. Yeah. Because, uh, look at that bridge suplex, German bridge suplex. I Scotty Riggs was uh, much like Tom Zink, a very handsome young guy. And, uh, I, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of time for Scotty. I really did. And now Scotty is going to be, well, th- th- we, we, we really fucked up this finish here. You know, uh, we didn't know who won the match and, uh, they ended up disqualifying Chris Jericho and, yeah, no so one understood Scotty Riggs, uh, gets the win by DQ. Cause Bagwell came in with a belt 
and began whipping rigs. Uh, Jericho right. saved rigs to let everybody know, Hey, Jericho's not a bad guy. Buff Bagwell's just right. a real piece of shit. Right. Well, anyway, we were, we were hemming and hawing up at the, uh, announced position about who won it here is, has it been thrown out? Who's the winner? Uh, is it double disqualification matches over who's the, no one knew anything, but it just furthered the, the storyline here between Riggs and Bagwell, which would culminate in a Kumalate. strap Listen match. You. I love you. Hey, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about is now that you've, you're going to be forfeiting the podcast income, are you going to be able to service clients on the road? What, 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 what are you, what are you talking about? Well, like you're traveling a lot for like baseball and basketball. I mean, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So when you're in these other towns, I mean, couldn't you pick up a little side hustle action on Cowboys for angels.com? Okay. Let me say this. Hold on a second. Medusa's out and I'll answer that dumbass question here in just a minute. How about this? Okay? Even the closed captioning got your wow. You saw Medusa in 1997 and you went, wow. Into the mic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you why I went. Wow. Because I I was absolutely head over heels in love with her. Can you believe that she knows Matt Coon's name? Good God! What have we done? And I you know you know she uh, she and I talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and she said, "Hey, uh, I'm working with Matt Coon now." I went, "Oh no!" Yeah, that's that's what I did. What the fuck? And I immediately immediately. Sent a text to Matt Coon, but you know what Matt Coon did? What? He Scott Steinered me. He didn't answer me. He's never answered me since then. His phone's probably cut off. It's not his fault. Okay. I want to tell him. I'm just saying leave. we're starving his ass out. You know? Yeah. We, 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 I want to tell him, Matt Coon, you leave Medusa alone. She's my friend. Oh, she's not you allowed to have other male friends. No, she's not. Well, not as long as not as while well, I'm around, he's probably got his feelings hurt. You know, you're taking away the big WHW income from him. I mean, this was the lifeblood of his household and you don't care. You're okay. just a selfish son of a bitch. Okay. Now, hang on a second. You, you, you're, you've gone a little bit too far. Okay. First of all, you talked about, uh, Cowboys and what is it? Cowboys for angels.com. We set okay. you up I'm, a profile. I'm not, I may, I may, I, I'm not a part of that. Yes, you are. You're, you're on like, there low key big hog. I filled it out. Look, you 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 have not, done nothing, but in the last hour and a half, but perpetrated a bunch of fucking lies about me. Okay, how? how? Well, oh, I look. It's Lee Marshall. Where are you at today, Lee? I'm in Savannah, Georgia, and things are great. It's one eight hundred collect. Who still uses collect? Your mom when she's been drinking downtown and gets arrested again. Which is probably not unusual for a lot of people down in Panama City. Mom, why are you in jail again? Well, son, I went to the <laughs> fair. I met this nice man running the Gravitron. He had these magic candies in his pocket. He gave me a frog splash. Now I have herpes. If you could come get me, son, I'd really appreciate it. Call 1-800-COLLECT. It's great. He used to always end up these with uh, uh, a knock on Bobby Heenan. Yeah, they were, these were very entertaining. Would always talk about a weasel and end up with some weasel joke. And it was, it was always a lot of fun. How many cigarettes reality, did that motherfucker smoke? What Lee? Yeah. I never saw Lee smoke one cigarette. I look at him. He's got a fucking pack of Marlboro reds in his pocket right there. 
No, no, no. And you know, the funny thing was that Lee was always with us. You know, he was always in the back somewhere doing it. So I'm really fired up about this because we got all these mean gene promos and you really let me down. You know, I thought the one with Medusa, you would have cut a promo there. It didn't happen. I'm no, not- I'm, I was, I was pissed off about all the lies you've told about me here, but that's okay. We're friends. Yeah. Friends can lie. Friends let friends lie. That's fine. Uh, speaking of, um, liars, he's coming to the yeah. ring. Kevin Sullivan's coming to the ring right now. He's not a liar, but hard body Harrison is in there. Yeah, and, boy. uh, this is going to be quite the match. You got to take a look at this. It's going to get silly, but I want to catch you up. Cause I feel like this is the sexual, appre- sexual predator edition of uh, Monday nitro. In 2007, yeah. Harrison would be convicted on charges related to keeping eight women as sex slaves in two homes he owned in Cartersville, Georgia, uh, during the proceeding for which he served as his own attorney, Harrison contended that the women lived in his homes with his wife and child because they wanted to train to be professional wrestlers and that he had helped them all quit drugs, but witnesses contend that he was playing mind games and forced them to have sex with him and required the women to participate in large sex orgies where they engaged in sexual activity with up to eight men at a single party. Uh, the victims contended that Harrison's rigid training regimen consisting of a wide variety of exercises and household chores and having to memorize a series of commandments was designed to make them attractive prostitutes that he pimped out to the nightclubs, trailer parks, and parties until a few of the women finally went to the police. Failure to complete these chores or breaking the rules required the women to pay money to Harrison, creating a never ending debt cycle. Harrison has been sentenced to a life in prison. Um, what do you, when did you know that hard body Harrison was a pimp? Uh, when all that came out of the news, I was just wondering if back here, you know, he was, you know, driving a Cadillac, wearing the big shoes with the fish in them. No, no, no. He was just kind of one of the boys back then. He worked, he worked, he worked out of the power plant some too. Think he was, uh, uh, you think he was running girls out of the power plant? No, I don't think so. But you know, when you, uh, we tell the story about, uh, Pamela Rogers, we tell the story about a hard body Harrison just makes me think about, there's a lot of bad things in the world. You know, we well, make, we make a lot of fun, a lot of things here, but man, I mean, this is the most absurd thing ever. And speaking of yeah. absurd things, Kevin Sullivan and hard body Harrison are walking out past the pool. They're going towards the beach. And by the way, Kevin Sullivan is not known as being, you know, the softest wrestler in the world to work with. No. Um, I think his working punch is a real punch. Yeah. Everything he did was, was, was stiff. And of course, you know, uh, Jacqueline, man, <laughs> Jacqueline was a, was a hellcat here, buddy. She could she, everything. She, I don't know if her, uh, the things that she did were worth, look at this. Cook. <laughs> Wow. He rung his fucking bell, man. Rung his fucking bell. Clothesline from Jacqueline. Yeah. And and watch and she's done this once before, but man, she'll just jump right on going down the fucking well, steps. Well the wooden steps. I mean, this is uh yeah. this is yeah. legit. This is real stuff. Right, because people have died falling down steps, right? I'm thinking, wow. Holy shit. What are we trying to do here? Hardbody Harrison, of course, was famous for suing WCW and, and getting a large settlement that he used his, his windfalls to buy, to buy houses where he could become a pimp. So this, this whole curse of WCW thing, this is uh, pretty legit. Look at this. 
I'm a chief. Ah, that girl's stiff, man. Hall of Famer, Miss Jackie. Yes, sir, buddy. I, uh, Are you ready? Uh, Here I we agree. Go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, of course, somebody was going to do it. I don't know what to say to this. I don't either. They threw hard Barty Harrison in the pool. Uh, you wanted to see somebody get thrown in the pool. I'm glad it was a big star like hard Barty Harrison. Yeah, it's it, this, this show. I mean, what the fuck is this man? Look at who's been on this card so far. I mean, what the matches have been it, it this, you know, I know I look back with rose color glasses for 97, but this was not good shit. No, it was not. And, uh, it was, no, it wasn't a good show. And, you know, I, I can't even help but think that the line that you just threw out there about hard body Harrison getting a big settlement from WCW. Yeah. Hard body Harrison made more in WCW than you did. God, about, I just should have, I should have sued him. You should have. God, because they were afraid of being sued. You know, one of the listeners to this show got an $80,000 yeah. settlement. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. You're bullshitting me, right? Nope. Tell you all fair who. All right. Blow your mind. Wow. Anyway, Miss Jacqueline is man. She was, I thought she was legit tough. You know, I legit. just realized like, um, Jackie is like the black version of big booty. Judy Cassio kid's wife. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, is big booty Judy legit tough. Yeah. She's jacked like that. And she, just, yeah. she just whoop your ass. Did she have a tattoo on her right breast like that? Uh, that's my buddy's wife. I don't know what she's got there, dude. Okay. Well, I mean, you, if she wore a low cut dress, like Jacqueline did, you I'm, may notice it. I'm not going to look at my buddy's boobs. Those are his boobs. Those aren't my boobs. I got my own boobs. Okay. Hey, what's, ask the, a what's the likelihood that, uh, at the Shivani wedding, Lois lets the hounds out. <laughs> uh, that's very unlikely. I'm just saying there's going to be Jim beam at the reception, right? Wow. Is there ever? Yeah. So if there's Jim beam there and she's in a good mood. Yeah. I mean, are we going to have a little, yep. who let the dogs I out? I hope she's in a good mood. Why wouldn't she be? It's been a very difficult wedding. Well, she's going to be in a good mood because it's fucking over. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's been a difficult wedding being the mother of the bride. And, you know, there is a after reception party that we want you to go to. That's that's where that's where I think you should get most of your uh, interviews from. Okay, yeah. I can do that. I'm going to be you know, walking around wearing like a, like a newspaper man hat. <laughs> you know, from like the, the 30s or whatever. Oh, yeah, and a little pocket square that says press. Scoops. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you know, when I got my invite, yeah, I got the, uh, the opportunity to RSVP is plus one. Right. Right. Uh, Megan's not coming, but I still need oh. my plus one. Uh Oh, Uh Oh, <laughs> uh, fucking. Oh. Just saying, we're going to find Ugh. out if this really is a five-star wedding. Wow. If it was in the Tokyo Dome. 
God, you know what? I, I love my daughter, as you know. I bless her heart. I'm going to apologize to her now for what's going to happen after the ceremony. I'm telling you now, old Dave Meltzer's coming. And, <laughs> and, and he's going to critique everything. Like what yeah. her work was, you know, is he a good hand? Yeah. Well, did the, did it have good heat? Yeah. You were the fan. What, what was the paid attendance? Did you have to paper it? Well, you know, bring him because we'll just have Lois hit him over the head with a bottle of Jim Beam. Here's my favorite part of this. This will be the only wedding I've ever been to that has a fucking gimmick table. Because <laughs> the whole thing was financed with shirts. And I guess we should smarten yeah. everybody up now. They'll see it when the photos come out. But you've actually agreed, at least for the reception, not the actual wedding. But at the reception, your daughter is going to pin the logos for the different sponsors from the podcast and, um, all the groomsmen and, um, bridesmaids, they're all going to be wearing t-shirts from LoisRules.com. Oh God. What have I done? You've hoard out your family's wedding. You've sold your I've soul hoard out. What have I done? Yeah. That's what, that's what it is. You know, I'm going to uh, being a good Catholic that I am. I'm going to go to confession this coming Saturday and ask for forgiveness for this. So the NWOs out here, of course, we've got, uh, lots of folks here. Yeah. A ring full Kevin yeah. Nash, it, Scott Hall, Mike Jones, yeah, uh, Scott Jones. Norton, uh, the macho man, buff Bagwell, uh, six Bischoff doing the promo here. And it's, it's sort of interesting because I think a lot of people kind of forget. And, and we saw the, what happened at uncensored 97, which is just six days after this. And what a tremendous finish that was with sting coming down from the top, but sting actually came to the ring with the NWO here. He's standing over in the corner. That's not NWO sting. That's the real sting. Right. And they, we kept taking shots of him and they would try to talk to sting and he just kind of stood, uh, almost like, uh, I don't know, almost like the undertaker standing, staring, looking. Uh, not saying anything. They wanted to put a shirt on him and he wouldn't go for it. So it's just kind of a little forerunner that sting was there, but why is he there? And he obviously does not like what's going on. He was infiltrating here. Let me go back to what I was saying earlier. I, I just thought, uh, that I, I guess this was a trade-off for getting Dennis Rodman with us, but I just thought putting Rodman's movie over was something that we shouldn't have done. Just my thought. Why not? I don't know. I just, well, first of all, it's going to be a shitty movie. Number one, as opposed to the great movies, you guys cranked out like ready to uh, rumble, right? Okay. Well, thank you very much. But I just, I don't know. I I mean, it's probably, it's probably part of the deal, right? And it is, you know, the mainstream rub that Bischoff was so interested in courting. I mean, he wanted anything that's that felt mainstream and, and thought that was good for business. Hey, we haven't talked well, and, about, we haven't and, talked. And, and the talk that we had, you know, we talked about, uh, on CNN, of course, we always gave them the rub and good morning America and newspapers and radio shows all talking about Dennis Rodman now being a part of the NWO. So, uh, yeah, I, I can understand that, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I wasn't a Rodman fan. Hulk Hogan here. Uh, doing his classic Hollywood bit. He's got, uh, the black gloves with some fingers cut out. 
He's got the cut Hollywood rules t-shirt, got the black bandana. Like he likes it, the black sunglasses and the black boots and tights, but the belt is maybe, I mean, I associate that big gold belt with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan the most, and it feels like two totally different eras. Of course, you know, 86 versus 97 here. Are those the two people you identify the most with that belt? Yeah, they're, they're absolutely. Actually, I identify Ric Flair the most with it, uh, but sure, there's no question. And here's the uh, the shirt to Sting. Sting did not move. Sting had no expression. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was thinking at that time when all this happened, because again, a lot of times when shit like this happened, you never knew what they were going to say or what they were going to do. They just had NWO was going to be coming to the ring. I thought maybe that Sting would take the bat and clean house here. And I was kind of surprised that it didn't happen. I think Heenan was surprised, and today was surprised, too, that it all didn't happen. So We should mention this equilibrium problem that you mentioned earlier with the Steiner brothers, because this is right after the uh, Outsiders ran the Steiners off the road. And I guess that was pretty controversial and there was so much blowback on that and so much criticism. They didn't show it on TV again. They just showed it at the pay-per-view and this, this scene, this shot right here of uh, three fourths of the click here with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Sean Waltman. That's one of the pictures that people float around the most of these guys. And I think a lot of people forget that's from spring break 97. Yeah, absolutely. That was a cool picture. Don't sing it, bring it buddy. What'd you think of, uh, Scott Hall's Superman curl. Uh, I didn't even notice it, but now that you say it pretty cool. The macho man never fit the NWO to me. Well, the only reason he fit the NWO because he was a big star and the NWO wanted to be big stars. Now there's buff and there's Scott Norton and there's Mike Jones. Who? Uh, you know, Tony, as we uh, wind it down, I feel like I should smarten you up. You're aware that Mike Jones is a rapper, right? Not, not this Mike Jones. No, but like there is a Mike Jones, the rapper. And, okay. um, that's what he let's do. Does he let's do a podcast? No. All right. Does he know galaxy? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure you're getting that backwards. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with Mike Jones, the rapper. Why was that brought up just now? Well, just because, general information. Cause I keep saying who, and that was like a thing that he did. Oh, the rapper, Mike Jones, not this guy. Right. Okay. And, and, and he, all right. And, so now, now I know now the old buddy, duddy old guy knows. Would you like to hear some? Uh, no. Cool. Cause we're going to play some in just a minute. <sighs> See, I knew it didn't matter what I fucking say. He was going to fucking play it. What? Maybe he plays it. Okay. Is this interview over yet? This is your kind of music right here, isn't it? They gonna play this at the reception? You see what he's saying here, Tony? Is back then hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot and hoes all on me. Are you following? 
There you go. I need you dancing to this at the reception. Can we make this happen? Should this, this be the uh, the daughter, uh, father? Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is you with the podcast, right? Back then, the fans didn't want you. Now you're hot. Them hoes all on you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Did you hear it? Wow. Yeah, I heard so i've been doing that to you for months and you had no idea it was from a rap song but almost everyone listening did so just okay. wanted you to be well, able to hear that and sort of piece it all together i'm sort of bringing the show full circle for you here this is the third time you guys have fired off fireworks uh what do you yeah. think you got spent on pyro i mean it's a cool <laughs> look but i mean this feels like literally burning money yeah north of 10 grand every show north of 10 grand every show that I know for sure. And, uh, the thing of it is, you know, Conrad, we didn't have budgets. They just spent fucking money. Hey, can you sing yeah. their song? Oh, wait, here we go. Do this main gene promo and do it. Good. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> All right. I'll do it. Good. All right. We're here with yes. Uh, Rocco rock, Johnny grunge, public enemy. Gentlemen, I want to talk a few moments about this. You were scheduled to have a match against Harlem Heat, but in true WCW form, BG, let me tell you something. We're supposed to have a match against Harlem Heat. Who the fuck fucked it up? We're supposed to have a match in the main event. I, I, I didn't fuck it up. I just, the lights went out. It's WC. We're supposed to have a match against Harlem Heat. And now we're here at the end doing a promo just so we can just finish up the time of the show. Who the fuck books this shit? That's all I got. Can you imagine, seriously, when somebody formats this show, they're like, okay, we're going to have Hulk Hogan come out with the NWO and we're going to have them present Sting with his NWO t shirt. And that's the main event. That's how we're going to close the show. Nope. We're going to get the fucking public enemy out to do a promo. That's how we're going to end the show. Yeah, right. Well, they're supposed to have a match. We're supposed to have a match, but everything ran so long and the, and the lights went out. You're talking about a lot of screaming going on in my ear that night. Oh, holy shit. And, and just, Not necessarily me, but just, I can hear a lot of crosstalk. Rocco Rock is about to start rapping, and yeah. Gene is going to start to uh, get with it a little bit like Mike Jones. Who? And then the Harlem Heat are going to come out, and that's how we're going to close the show here, which I'm pretty fired up about. Yeah, that the show's finally over. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, buddy. Oh my god, that is so amazing! Uh, here they come, Harlem Heat. They coming out, and we are desperately out of time. See you next week on WCW Monday Nitro. Look at Sherry in the back. Kick their ass! You two kick their ass, Mister Shivani. That's my favorite impression you do when you say yeah. Mr. Shivani like that, like her. No, it's Mr. Ass. Uh, it's Mr. Ass. Yeah, yeah Mr. Yeah. Ass, my bad. Mr. Ass. So let's talk about spring break for a minute because this is yeah. the year that uh, there was a little bit of an incident uh, with uh, the New World Order at spring break. Um, he says that there's a written warning. Kevin Nash has said there was a written warning uh, in the back that says absolutely no one goes in the pool. And then of course, Kevin Sullivan goes out there and throws hard body in the pool 
right. probably because he's the booker and knows, Hey, what are they going to fucking do? Exactly. But as part of, uh, and this is not the episode where Kevin Nash does a cannonball. That was a later year. It didn't win the poll. I would have hoped for that one, but uh, X-Pac or six rather at the time, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are all on the MTV show fame or shame. And the gimmick is, you know, you're doing, it's like a game show. And, uh, these guys are used to sort of punish the losers of the talent contest and they wedgie them off the ground and paint them. And one of the guys in the crowd sort of gets pretty rowdy and starts throwing Skittles or rocks, depending on who you believe Skittles was a sponsor. So they were passing those out and allegedly, uh, six had been sort of firing people up by spraying them with a super soaker and maybe, you know, messing up their buzz. So when they start throwing Skittles, Kevin Nash jumps off the stage, chases the guy down and slams him into the sand. And of course, eventually he's taken away by security and Scott Hall says they're going to press charges. And the NWO guys are just going off at the MTV producers for saying that security should have handled this and they're being lazy and they need to get them under control. Uh, do you remember hearing about this rock throwing Kevin Nash chasing a motherfucker down story? Oh yeah. We remember very much about it. And therefore there went the, the relationship between WCW and MTV. Just like there went the relationship between uh, WCW and Disney. Uh, yeah, I remember that story very, very well. And I think what you just said equals what I heard. Well, let's get to some questions on Twitter. We asked you, Hey, you got a question about spring break nitro 97. And, uh, we had a few great ones. So I'm ready to get into it. If you're ready, Tony. Oh boy. Uh, Danny wants to know how many times did Tony pee in the pool? Uh, what in that pool or, uh, I used to pee in the pool a lot. Uh, doesn't surprise me. Well, I went swimming a lot when I was younger was and it wasn't my, it wasn't my pool. Had it been my pool, I wouldn't have peed in it. But since it was like the pool at, uh, Gypsy Hill park in Stanton or at natural chimneys and chimneys in Mount Solon, Virginia, I peed in those pools a lot. Uh, are you going to, are you going to pee in my pool if you ever get in? No. Okay. Thank you for that. Randall wants to know, did uh, Kevin Nash get any heat for saying even big girls need loving? No, not at all. Nicholas wants to know how many women did Ric Flair lose to Mike today? See, you thought I was making up that porn stuff. That's not making, that's not made up. Yeah. You're made. First of all, you're making up the porn stuff. That's number one. Mike today is a good friend. Mike, I'm sorry. What Conrad has said on this program. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's clearly a joke. Mike today does not do porn. That's right. See, so see it, it, what it see. And what we charge you uh, on this program is to try to decipher the jokes from the shoots. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, no, he didn't lose any any women to Mike today. Uh, Travis wants to know: Did you stay at the resort there or a hotel? If so, how was it? Now, I think people who haven't been there don't know this isn't actually a resort. This is Club La Vila. It is right. one of the world's largest dance clubs. Tons and tons of, of square footage. Now you were saying earlier, you pulled a lot of ass out of La Vila, right? No, I didn't say that. Oh, I thought you did. No, I didn't say that. I, uh, I drove back home afterwards. You know, my first time in La Vila, I was, uh, I was a Ute. I was 18, 19 years old. 
uh, and a gentleman approached me and tried to buy cocaine off of me. And, um, you know, I'm a redneck from Alabama. So I'm like, what did you say? Like I had to make him repeat it. And I was like, I I mean, that's on TV, man. That's, I don't know. Is that even a real thing? Like, I don't have that. I don't even know where that is or what it looks like. You sell him any meth? Oh, of course, dude. I got that all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I came from Alabama. That's really, you know, if we're honest, I mean, I think we could tell the truth. This entire podcast has really just been a sham to cover up our, our drug dealing. You know, it's a way for us to launder the money because right. with all the riches, you know, I mean, the Conradison was built on meth. I mean, I'll just tell it right. what it is. You know, right. I only have one tattoo and it's Sudafed and some of left butt cheek. We're all tied. Right. Um, and, and we have a lot of code words we say on here every week that they know where to go to drop the drugs. That's right. Klondike Bill. That's not even a real person. Nope. You know, glass bottom boat ride. That means nope. that's about the drop, right? Right. The kielbasa. Yep. Come on. We know what that is. It's about keistering. Right. You know, you just got to put it all together. It's sort of like breaking right. bad. You watch it the second time shit comes together. It makes sense. All the feet, all the pieces fit and the feces fit. Uh, Chad Webb wants to know, is Tony really that tall or is his chair set particularly high this night? Yeah, I know. I I wasn't really that tall, but I made sure. God damn it. That my chair was higher than anybody else's. Travis wants to know, I loved it when WCW and Crockett ran outdoor shows, but they always seemed to be plagued by problems, whether it was excessive drunkenness, allowing motorcycles to be near ringside, poor sight lines, not being able to hear a hot crowd or being too hot or too cold. Which outdoor shows do you think WCW hit a home run with? The outdoor show I thought we had a home run with, and I'm just doing this just top of my head was the. Uh, spring break show we did at South Padre Island in, in Texas. There you go. That was the last one, I think. Last one. I just thought, I, I thought it looked good. I thought it was great. I thought everybody was, and uh, it just was very, very well done. Uh, that's the one. Uh, have I told you the story of the the one of the great American bashes where David Allen Coe pulled a gun on a fan? No. Yeah. Sure did. That was the Great American Bash. Do you know that uh, you've, you've seen the picture of Ric Flair landing uh, mm-hmm. in a helicopter? Yep. And walking out? That was that same show. That's where David Allen Coe pulled a gun on a motherfucker? Yes, he did. Wow. David Allen Coe would do a concert, uh, and they would do the concert first because wrestling was second. And David Allen Coe, a fan, I believe, a drunk fan, came on stage and David Allen Coe pulled a gun on a motherfucker. Wow. Yeah. So there. Yep. Outdoor wrestling a lot of times has its pitfalls. Um, Ricky Morton's mullet wants to know, other than Austin, Jericho has to be the wrestler WCW dropped the ball the most with. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, Tim O'Toole wants to know, does Mike Tanay have a low-key big hog? I'm telling oh, for- you. This, what, what what are these Mike Tanay sexual innuendo type questions and line of thinking? Why is it all coming out here in this show? What I, the hell? Throw it in your Google machine. Oh uh, no! I I told you what. If to Mike Tanay has low key big hog, I I never did. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. How can you tell if someone has by by walking by a person? Right. How can you tell if he has a low key big hog? 
Wade Keller reported that it was so big it oh. had its own gravitational pull. Uh, well, that's that's that confirms it then if Wade Keller reported. Dave Meltzer reported that you tried to feed it a peanut at Springbrook yeah. 98. There you go. Joe Larson wants there to know. There you go. That's true. Did Lois ever flash the goods during spring break? No, no, no. She did not. But we were at uh, we were in New Orleans one night. Yes. I need this okay. story. I need this story. <laughs> no. We were in New Orleans one night, and uh, it was during the uh, – it was during – it was a football game, Sugar Bowl time, years ago. And, uh, it was new year's Eve and I introduced her to the drink called a hurricane, right? You familiar with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had a lot of them and we were walking down bourbon street and she was D U drunk. And she said, how do you get those beads? And I said, uh, mm. well, you got to let me show, show you, people. honey, I'll show you <laughs> No, I said, you got to show people your, your boobs. She said, really? And I said, yeah, it's time for us to go. Uh, and so I coaxed, I, I convinced her to leave. However, I am damn sure that that night someone would have seen him had we stayed a little bit longer. Who let the hogs out? Um, Wolf, wolf, wolf. Luca wants to know, considering it's spring break, who's better at doing jello shots? Tony or Klondike Bill? God, have been Klondike Bill. I'm not a good drinker. Not a good drinker at all. Anthony wants to know, did Tony need a penicillin shot after a week at Club La Vila? Nope. Not at all. Uh, Matthew wants to know, what's Tony's view on this set? I thought it was so cool, and I wish they'd put it in the video game. I agree. I thought it was tremendous. I'm with you, man. Dennis wants to know how difficult is it to commentate on something and have someone talking to you at the same time? It's nearly impossible. Uh, It's, it's nearly impossible. Mike wants to know, did you do any partying after the event? Like keg stands or key bumps? No, no. Listen, uh, you'll, you'll back me up on this. Won't you? My good friend. You're the most boring motherfucker I've ever met. Exactly. Sorry, I just just the way I am. I, I cannot look. We were in St. Louis for the SEC basketball championship. Went out to this place called Ragazzi's. They say go to Ragazzi's Italian restaurant on the hill in St. Louis. They've got these gigantic fishbowl beers. Whatever beers on draft, they put in this gigantic iced fishbowl. I was gigantic. So I said, okay, I'll have one. I had one. I wasn't worth a fuck the next day. I was sick. One beer. I just, I can't do it. I just, I've never been able to do it. And I, I, I did go out with the uh, flair and Tully and Arn and back in the day in the eighties when I was younger and you threw up in the bathtub. You know, yeah. I threw up in the bathtub and threw back a few, but I, I just, I have no tolerance for it now. I just don't, I don't know why. As Lois said, you're a fucking lightweight. Let me ask you this. Um, since you got white girl wasted on a single beer yesterday, did you wake up this morning with jalapeno peppers in the back of your head? No, no, I did not. Uh-uh. No, I did not. Thank, thank you. Uh, Mike, uh, or Ryan wants to know, uh, how do they construct the ring over water differently than they would if it was just on regular ground? Well, what they did was they, uh, 
if you'll recall, it went over the middle part of that pool, and then they constructed it on a – it was like an aluminum stand, almost like an aluminum platform or uh, risers that were in the water uh, that they anchored down in the lower in the uh, lower part or the shallow end of the pool. It was I mean, very expensive to do. Nick wants to know, did any college girls flash you this night? No, not at all. Well, maybe they would have, had you been using just for men and now you can even do it for your beard, right? Tony, you could do it for your beard. As a matter of fact, they have so many great products for your beard that, uh, you'd be silly not to use beard oil, beard balm. Uh, and the, the thing that I like most of all is face and beard wash that will get you clean and get it all silky smooth. And, uh, it's, uh, again, I've been a, a just for men, a user for, well, Conrad, 15 years, every bit of 15 years. And now you can take care of your beard and do it like the pros do use just for men, man. We've got a special offer for you right now. Soften up, smooth out beard on kiss that average beard. Goodbye and usher in your softest, smoothest, bestest beard and skin underneath with just for men face and beard wash, beard conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm. And uh, here's the best deal of all. You get to put your best beard forward when you go to jfmbestbeard.com. That's JFM, like just for men, bestbeard.com, and use this promo code. It's bestbeard25. And when you do that, you're going to get 25% off your purchase. I'm going to give you that address again. It's jfmbestbeard.com, and the promo code is bestbeard25. You get 25% off. And uh, we can't thank Just For Men enough for helping us sponsor What Happened When. And I feel like we should uh, go ahead and go out with a bang because I've got two things I want to spring on you here, Tony. Are you ready? Okay. Man, uh, yeah, go ahead. We listened to the American Males theme backwards, but I think it's time that we do it justice and we do it the right way because people absolutely loved when you did it last week. So we listened to slam my grandma and now we're going to hear it the real way. Are you ready? I'm ready. And I want you to sing along, Tony. I feel like a DJ right now. I'm like Peter Rosenberg. If you haven't seen this video, throw it in your Google machine. American males themed WCW. You got to see this black and white video of these guys. Here we go, Tony. American males. American whales. 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 How great is that? Did you think this is what we were going to be doing today? <laughs> Nothing. I don't think you did. Oh God. I mean, it was really probably the second most talked about thing last week. You know what the number one talked about thing was though, right? Did you look at all this week on Twitter? The Mortal Kombat thing? Yeah. <laughs> 
instrumental, Tony. This is just for you, baby. Show them what you can do. I feel like there should be more yelling for Mortal Kombat in here somewhere. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> Come on, Tony. You got to get this yell in one more time, then we'll shut her down. This is outstanding. I can't believe it's coming to an end. We got two episodes left. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week for uncensored 1996. We're going to be doing a watch along because why the fuck wouldn't you want to watch that? The doomsday cage, man. It's a triple decker of awful. And I can't wait to watch it with you. Uh, Tony, when I look at my clock, I can't help, but think it's, uh, it's about that time. And ladies and gentlemen, in the main event, it's Mike today and Conrad Thompson against Lois Shivani and Dave Silva. And now <laughs> we're desperately out of time. <laughs> See you next week on What Happened When!